You've chosen America's number one. Number one. Number one. one. Outdoor radio show. Well, welcome to America, amigo. The Revolution with Jim and Trav, where we bring you the outdoors so you can get outdoors. It's outdoor radio at its finest that highlights local and national outdoor news in the field perspectives and current gear reviews that are 100% free of charge. Brought to you by Whitetails Extreme, the makers of Rack Addict. Ignite improved nutrition and results 365 with Rack Addict. Log on to whitetails-extreme.com to learn more about Rack Addict. Now, without further ado, let's start the revolution with Jim and Trav. Hey, boys and girls, we are back. And you know what, Jimmy? What's Jimby. that? I called you Jimby. Jimby. <laughs> this is That's the, kind of short for Gumby. This is the last weekend in July. We are saying goodbye to July, and you know what we're going to be talking about today? White-tailed deer. And we're talking about white-tailed deer in extreme heat and drought, plus deer vomeral faction, chronic wasting disease, and the new deer management plan, uh, guys, that uh, Wisconsin is just now uh, setting in place. But uh, Jimbo and I, we actually pulled up some statistics on uh, white-tailed deer. Miss Bunny, are you ready? for all this um, knowledge we're about to give you. Cram it in here. I'm ready. Okay. She actually was well, going to be a burger. It uh, is. <laughs> so, okay. White-tailed deer. Do you guys know that out of the 200 million animals that are harvested annually here in the U.S., only a white-tail account for 2%, which is 6 million white-tailed deer that are harvested. That's not many. Wow. Get this, 25%, which makes up 50 million uh, animals that are harvested are actually morning doves. That's a lot of doves. Yeah. Those suckers are hard to shoot. That's I a would, lot of bacon. I'm not contributing to that statistic at all. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> no. Check this out. 15% of all animals that are harvested, 30 million, it's squirrels. Yeah. That's a lot of I know a few squirrels. squirrels that are hunting squirrels. So I uh, hear some <laughs> statistics. All this stuff, once again, is right off of Field and Stream's uh, website. Check it out online. But let's just look at some target some states real quick that you wouldn't usually associate with hunting, especially like deer, okay? New Jersey, for instance. How many New deer, Jersey? How many deer do you think were taken in New Jersey, Jim? Uh, Last year, 2011. Uh, maybe uh, 15,000. No, 56,000. 56,000. Yeah, check this one out. Uh, here's Snooky one. Snooky with a rifle? Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow. Uh, the about, situation's got yeah. him. Uh, New York, okay? Uh-huh. 222,979. Now, California. I bet you Michael Bloomberg didn't get one of those. Not no. a single no. one. No. Uh, California. Now that uh, you know, it's, it's a big gonna, state. Jerry Brown. It, it is a big state. How many deer do you guys think were harvested last year um, in California? Uh, I'd say sixteen thousand nine hundred forty-one. Thanks for reading, Jack. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> uh, anyway, so in this week's Ram Power Block, powered by Ram at RamTrucks.com. Hey, we'll hear from our very own Miss Bunny. You just heard her. Hey, Miss Bunny. And then phoning us on the Ram Hotline at 785-846-7647 will actually be big game biologist Lloyd Fox from the Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks and Tourism. Uh, then Brian Murphy, who's the CEO with QDMA and National Wildlife, National Wildlife Health Center CWD project leader Brian Richards and Al Phelan, who's the co-chairman of the Big Game Study Committee for the Wisconsin Conservation Congress. But Miss Bunny, um, you're here for a reason besides we really like you and you work here um you're gonna everybody uh, rubs your belly and they get good luck you're gonna uh, fill us in about blue tongue now um i've heard of this before what exactly is uh blue tongue miss bunny blue tongue goes hand in hand with drought and extreme heat and with um the worst drought we've had in 50 plus years right now obviously there's a big situation going on with a lot of deer having this uh it's also known as hemorrhagic disease and um that includes um, both EHD and blue tongue, which um, are interchangeable because the symptoms are so similar they can't really tell them apart a lot of times unless they're tested. So um, blue tongue basically is a midge or a fly that is infected, um, bites the host, in this case the white-tailed deer, mm-hmm. and they're infected with this virus or disease, if you will, dun, dun, and dun, it results dun, dun. in really high fevers. And um, most of the time, hence is, the song there, Buck Fever, we are playing. Exactly. Michael Adele. And okay. it's most of the time fatal. Um, within one to three days, one to five days. They one usually, to five days. Holy cow. They usually start exhibiting symptoms, but they can die as quickly as three, so, three days. And they usually expire within 10 days of having the s- disease. Since this is a midge, usually they're found around water. And since right. there's not a lot of water, they all kind of conjugate around what uh, bodies of water are left. And so do the animals. Mm-hmm. 
Exactly. Thus, and that's, more animals are built. Right. That's where you have your hatch, and that's, yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. So what are our chances of us getting affected with this? Can we? It's non-contagious to humans, and it's non-contagious from deer to deer. They have to be bit by a fly or midge themselves. You cannot pass it from person to person or from deer to deer. It's now, not possible. What if Jim ate one of these midges? Ooh. Could he? That's a good question, because Jim has been known to absolutely any be a midge man. <laughs> midge, midge manwich. Jim, Jim will eat absolutely anything. He has no scruples. I ate a scruple. If he ate a midge that had the blue tongue virus in it, would he, in fact, become contagious and die in three to five days? (laughs) (laughs) I can only pray. (laughs) But if I ate it with blue cheese, it'd be all right, probably. It kind of cancels it out, doesn't it? Yeah, generally, thank God, it's not dangerous for humans, so we're good. Okay, so this could be a problem uh, for bow hunters, okay? You're going to go out there, and this time of year, obviously, when when you're bow hunting, it's still warmer. You're going to still have those hatches. Midges, flies are still going to be out. Now, rifle season is going to come much after the frost. The only thing you're going to find in rifle season is probably carcasses. Right now, though, right now through the first frost, uh, generally you'll see lots of um, dead animals lying around and generally near a water source because with this, it comes extremely high fevers and their throat swell and their mouth swell and their their tongue. And being that the the tongue and the lips swell so much, they turn blue and hence the name blue tongue. But um, they seek out shade and water. So generally, you'll find them dead by water sources. Because really? Last year in, I believe it was Montana, there was such a huge problem with this because the winter was so harsh that it killed off, uh, I think they said like 30% of the population of deer. And then wow. the summer came and That's they crazy. had a big outbreak of um, blue tongue and it killed off another 50 to 60% of the deer herd. And so there was virtually no deer left in some places like... Um, is it Milk River, they call mm-hmm. it? Yep. Yeah, the Milk yeah. River deer herd totally devastated the whole Milk River deer herd. And so it's it can be a huge problem. It can wipe out complete populations of deer. So Now, how does this uh, this uh, blue tongue affect uh, other animals? I mean, does it do, do affect they? domestic animals? Yeah. Uh, cows and sheep, um, have a, they can get it. They generally have a pretty good tolerance to them. It can make them lame or it can make them um, weak or whatever. But generally, they come out of it just fine. Goats, however... It makes them lame, and that's what they, they call it, like like the kneeling walk or whatever. They walk on their knees, basically, because it makes them so lame, and it makes them really, really ill. Now, how about cats? Because I hate cats. Un- could I could I get a whole bunch of cats and put them near water? Unfortunately, felines, I don't think, are as susceptible to this. I can't infect Jim or cats. <laughs> you know, but... Glue tongue has no use for me. How about if me. I ate an infected cat? <laughs> that's... <laughs> I think it's worth a shot. It is worth a shot, folks. Well, if that's the case, then just stop spending your money on your front line as your vet. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to quit putting front line on Jim. <laughs> now, Miss Bunny, if we want to find out more about Blue Tongue. Well, I found a lot of stuff on Field and Stream, but just Google it. And you can find about anything anywhere, Wikipedia, whatever, and it'll give you a long list of the symptoms and what to look for and everything else. So. All right. So once again, we are talking all about deer on today's show. And uh, coming up after the break, we're actually going to be joined by big game biologist Lloyd Fox, and he is with the Kansas Department of Wildlife, Parks, and Tourism. But uh, we are the revolution. We are brought to you by Ram Trucks at RamTrucks.com plus Ruger at Ruger.com and High Mountain Seasonings at HIMTNJerky.com and Zeiss. That is Zeiss.com forward slash sports and uh, NBC Sports Outdoors. That's www.NBCSports.com forward slash outdoors and NRA blog at NRAblog.com plus Cabela's. World's foremost outfitter at Cabela's.com. Stick around. Coming up after break once again. Lloyd Fox. Coming up. Miss Buddy, as always, we love you. See you when I have a baby. More in-depth whitetail coverage to come right here on The Revolution after this. Sometimes you can tell a lot about a horse by what it's named. Like its color. It might be blacky or roany or buck. A name could have something to do with a horse's temperament or its disposition. Like wild man or Roller, or Bad Bob. Yeah, the name of a horse is sometimes the name of his game. It's kind of like driving a Ram truck. That name means something. It means you know the value of dust, sweat, and pride. Guts, glory, Ram. Ram is a registered trademark of Chrysler Group, LLC. 
high mountain seasonings. Do yourself a flavor with over 200 different items. And look for the Bucking Horse logo at a retailer near you or on the web at www.himtnjerky.com. Be your best in the field with Outgo's portable personal care products. Get clean with smart suds, waterless wash, and quick-dry microfiber towels. Field tested in the military, now at outdoor retailers and on base. See the full line at outgo.us. This is The Revolution with Jim and Trav. Big dumb bag of dogs. And now, here's the boys. Hey, did you catch uh, last night's weather report? You know, I caught the very end of it, uh, but Wait, uh, did you watch the first part. Which yeah. channel do you watch? Uh, three. Channel three, what is that, though? That's out of KSO and uh, SOO in uh, Sioux City, Iowa. What? Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Why do you watch that when you live in Kansas, you dork? <laughs> I want to know what's coming. <laughs> Anyways, I actually did catch the weather report, and they're reporting mainly on the East Coast right now. The weather over there is terrible. Uh, just take a listen to this. Frank, you got it ready? You're going to be blown away by these guys and gals. Uh, here it is. The Revolution. Now we've got some big changes here for the upcoming work week. Starting tomorrow, we're going to have a volcanic eruption right near Charlottesville. Man, I'm glad and we don't live in Charlottesville. It would suck. Lava spill out into central Virginia and Liquid make magma. temperatures in Richmond at 350 degrees. 350? That's scorching. Wait. The hot spot at 400. 400? Dang! Yeah. Whoa. Uh-huh. You better have like SPF a billion. <laughs> We're going to have tidal waves moving in ahead of this. A global superstorm developing. Tidal waves, global superstorm. Sounds kind of serious. <laughs> But the key to the forecast, right before this thing makes landfall, it is going to be deflected by Godzilla. Godzilla. <laughs> he's going to save the world. He's going to backhand it, if you know what I mean. <laughs> that is nuts. That is how it is right now. But anyways, Jim, uh, what, Wait, what do we... One more, one more thing. Oh, sorry. Hold on. I do want to encourage you, though, that if you ever do see a sleeping coyote... Do not wake it. Bad idea. <laughs> That's right. I'm glad we played that. Yeah, Never wake a, warning. a sleeping coyote. There's a warning label on every coyote. Do not wake me if I'm asleep. Just below the tail. <laughs> you got to catch the coyote and lift up the tail. <laughs> uh, anyways, what are we talking about today's show, buddy? Hey, we're talking about chronic waste and disease, new deer management plan in Wisconsin, deer vomeral <laughs> faction. Deer vomeral faction. Uh, and deer in extreme heat and drought. Yeah, speaking of deer in extreme heat and drought, uh, right now we'll be joined by a Lloyd Fox, and he is a big game biologist there at uh, Kansas Department of Wildlife, Parks, and Tourism. Uh, Mr. Lloyd, how's it going, buddy? Very good. Yeah, now, you know, here in the Midwest, we're experiencing an immense amount of drought. Isn't that right, Jimmy? That's right. There's no water. There is no water. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> And it was brilliant. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so glad that I asked you to partake in this. So, anyways, we are, like Jim said, lots of heat. There's no water. Kind of cut and dry, right? <laughs> but, um, you know, I mean, it's taking its toll on everything from crops to wildlife. Dung you beetles. name it. It's affecting it. Yes, dung beetles, Jim. But <laughs> um, you guys there at the Kansas Department of Wildlife, Parks, and Tourism what is uh, the biggest concerning factor of all this pertaining to whitetail? Well, what's concerning you guys most? What we would be concerned about, the first thing, is uh, a loss of fawns for yeah. a, a poor production year, uh, poor recruitment year for fawns. That's historically what happens is uh, when the does are having problems with sufficient food and water, uh, they produce less milk. Mm-hmm. When they produce less milk, the fawns tend to leave their hiding places, and the the fawns go looking for the does. When they do that, they're making themselves vulnerable, more prone to predators. Yeah, uh, and it's the predators that cause the uh, reduction in recruitment. Yeah, wow. Now, now the thing is, if you fly over the state of Kansas. There's got to be nine bazillion crop circles out there. Don't those deer gravitate toward those crop circles because they're no, they know that there's uh, irrigation going on and water? Yes, they do. And that's exactly what they're doing right now. Uh, and with corn values being as high as they are and deer yeah. numbers being what they are, we're having a resulting high conflicts between people and deer. Deer are in those corn circles. They're using the water and the food that's there, and they're concentrating in exceptionally large numbers compared to a normal year. Yeah. Now, now the thing is, 
in drought years, and people haven't in the past, they have actually, uh, you know, did a core sample of trees and, and to check the growth rings. And in those drought years, of course, the rings were tighter together than if they, uh, you know, they, they were able to grow. Is there any way in a postmortem situation can you detect, I, I'm sure that there's no growth rings on a deer, but is there any way to detect uh, how the uh, how the drought has affected them in, in any given year? Yes. Uh, and that's a, a, what we do is we do a fall survey and we look at fawns per hundred does. Mm-hmm. And what we're looking at is recruitment. Uh, this would be just as it would be a poor growth year for trees. It could be a poor recruitment year for fawns. Now, here's what I, is kind of alarming to me. Uh, Lloyd, you know, I've had a lot of people uh, come up to me and also to Jim and say, you know, this weather and these conditions is just damaging to our deer herds. And people have said, I'm thinking about not even um, harvesting a deer this year. Is that a wise choice? Because think if we already don't have enough nutrition and food out there for the deer. okay, and if we cut back on how many deer that we harvest, is there going to be enough food out there for them because let's say we, we go here in Kansas, I don't know how many thousands upon thousands of deer we harvest. Let's say we cut that number back by 50%. Well, next year, that's just going to increase our, our deer population by that much more. Is that a smart move to not harvest as many deer, or should we just keep on the same regimen? And also, should we um, target more does than bucks? Well, what's your take on this? Uh, we have been encouraging hunters to help bring the deer herd lower than it currently is. Really? And you hit the nail on the head. We have more deer than we have both the social support for mm-hmm. and in some cases the proper food for. Mm-hmm. And we're we're seeing uh, uh, places where deer are, uh, you talked about the growth rings on the trees. Well, we will have a poor recruitment year for trees this year mm-hmm. and shrubs. And those are the key item for deer nutrition. Mm-hmm. They are a, a browser, and they rely on the high protein content of the terminal ends of trees and shrubs. Mm-hmm. You bet. Hey, we've been talking with old uh, Lloyd Fox. He is with the uh, Kansas Department of Wildlife, Parks, and Tourism. He knows a lot about deer. You know who I feel the, the most like um, sad for, honestly? Who's that? Is manufacturers of umbrellas. You know <laughs> you know that segment of the market right now, Lloyd, is That's almost extinct. so bad. There's going to be no more umbrellas at all. But, you know, I'm not too concerned about those umbrella sales. <laughs> I think they do quite well with uh, sunscreen. They, they <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know that they own both corners of the market there. <laughs> they get you coming and going, don't they? <laughs> All right. But uh, we are the revolution. We are brought to you by Ram Trucks at RamTrucks.com plus Ruger at Ruger.com and High Mountain Seasonings. That is H-I-M-T-N-Jerky.com plus N-R-A blog at N-R-A blog at .com. And once again, we've been talking with uh, Lloyd Fox, and he is a big game biologist there at Kansas Department of Wildlife, Parks, and Tourism. Mr. Lloyd, it has been awesome having you on. Very informational. Thank you. You're welcome. Hey, coming up next is Brian Murphy. He's the CEO of QDMA. Coming up next. Stick around. Every Thursday night, make NBC Sports Outdoors your destination for the best fishing shows and most respected anglers around. A big old bluefin is taking the line! Starting Thursday at 7 on the NBC Sports Network. Zeiss and Hornady teamed up for a simple and intuitive new shooting concept, Conquest Superformance. Just select Hornady Superformance, match with one of the Zeiss Conquest Superformance rifle scopes with Rapid Z Ballistic Reticle, zero rifle at 200 yards, play scope on maximum power, and use the reticle's holdover bars to hit targets at extended distances. It's never been easier. Check out Zeiss.com sports. When it comes to camping, I like to relax, but I was getting stressed about camp cooking. Then I discovered the Camp Chef Portable Outdoor Oven. This junior-sized oven works with a small propane bottle and is perfect for family camping trips with a matchless ignition, heating up to 400 degrees, and space to put a 9 by 13 inch pan. I can cook cinnamon rolls for breakfast, casseroles for dinner, and pie for dessert. Look for the Portable Outdoor Oven at a store near you or online at campchef.com. Camp Chef, the way to cook outdoors. How do they get that way? What makes them the best? You are going to find out. You're listening to The Revolution with Jim and Trav. 
People are nervous. People are sweating. They're fretting the gym. It's hot out there. Not that. Oh. They just tuned in and they don't know what we're talking about. Well, that's well, true. We will catch you guys up to You can listen to the whole show like and you that. still don't know what we're talking about. Yeah, we're talking about uh, everything deer, really. Everything whitetail. We, uh, we're just joined by Lloyd Fox. He's a big game biologist there at Kansas Department of Wildlife, Parks, and Tourism. Yeah, hey, uh, we, we were talking about uh, the drought. effect of the drought has on the deer population right now. And by the way, if you want to hear Lloyd, if you just tuned in, go to our website, OutdoorTrailsNetwork.com, and you can hear his interview if you're just joining us now. But now we're going to focus more on the love side of things. Junkie! a song, right? <laughs> Big and chunky. Uh, Jim has not watched Madagascar, too. <laughs> I guess that, that I like very... that move it, move it, move it. I got that part. I like the move it, move it. That's all the first one. No, I think they might have seen that in the second one, too. I don't know. It's cool. Ah, all right, now we're being joined by Brian Murphy, and he is the CEO of Quality Deer Management Association. He phoned us at 785-846-7647. Hey, Brian, uh, how's it going, buddy? How you doing? Wonderful, guys. Appreciate yeah, you having me. Actually, his friend's calling Wikipedia. Yeah. Now, you were actually, uh, you were born in New Mexico, raised in Texas, and Oklahoma, and your, your lifelong passion has been the outdoors. And this is kind of what uh, made you pursue um, getting a career in wildlife conservation and management, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, just like a lot of your listeners probably, you know, grew up in a habit of outdoorsman, hunter, yeah. fisher, trapper. And uh, lo and behold, I read an outdoor life magazine at age 12, and it talked about a wildlife biologist who got to work on deer. And I told my parents right then and there that's what I was going to do with my life. And uh, good Lord willing, that's, uh, that's allowed me an opportunity to work with deer. Uh, just about every day of my life now. Yeah, well, you know, uh, Brian, on today's show, we're talking about chronic wasting disease, uh, the new deer management plan uh, they're they're putting forth in Wisconsin, uh, also the extreme heat, like Jim said, we talked with uh, Lloyd Fox uh, before the break. But now we're going to talk about deer vulnerable faction. What? Uh, it has to do with love. <laughs> we know that much. We uh, love No that. one understands this. Tell us about this, man. Oh, absolutely. And, and the way I, I best describe this, what I call a sixth, and whitetails. Whitetails share the same five basic senses that we do. Really? Uh, you know, sight, sound, uh, taste, touch, all those sort of things, vision, uh, hearing, etc. But they actually have a sixth sense, and that sixth sense is called vulnerable faction, and it's because they have a specialized organ, a structure that we don't have, called the vomeral nasal organ. It's a little diamond-shaped pit in the roof of their mouth on the upper palate, and its sole purpose is to take in and analyze urine. Really? And if you watch a buck in the fall uh, mm-hmm. come up to where a doe has urinated, often you'll see them come and take up that urine in their mouth and then grimace, roll their lips back, and do what's known as the fleeman or lip curl process. Yes. And, uh, cows do it. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of the, the, the cat, most of the cat family members do it as well. So it's not uncommon in, in the mammal world. But for many years, biologists and hunters thought that that was how, most likely how a buck was determining that a doe was in heat because but almost exclusive to bucks, almost exclusive to, to the, the, the mating season, the rut. So therefore, if they're doing that, that must be how a buck's determining a doe's estrus status. Hmm. But uh, unfortunately, as I like to say sometimes, science gets in the way of a good story sometimes. <laughs> and, um, and what researchers at the University of Georgia, and I actually did some of my graduate research on this very subject, but uh, what researchers at the University of Georgia have found is that that organ uh, has a separate pathway to the brain than does the nose. Really? Olfactory system. It's got a different channel. And that channel accesses a part of the brain that cannot control immediate behavior. It cannot tell a buck the wrong part of the brain to say, hey, there's a doe in heat nearby. You must find her now. Hmm. But what it does do is it, it stimulates a portion of the brain that's responsible ultimately for stimulating the buck's reproductive system, increasing its sex drive. So what we think is happening is not that a buck's saying there's a doe in heat nearby when they do this process, but rather the buck's taking his daily dose of Viagra, and staying in the mood throughout the entirety of the season so that he can and is willing to breed when the time is right. Yeah, now now the thing is, now that we have this information, what do we do with it? How do we make well, it work the, for us? Well, I think the key here is, is, and I've been asked that a lot of times, well, does that mean that, that urine products are no good? Well, not at all. You know, you would think, though, I mean, how sophisticated this whole process is, that there would be some things that just couldn't be duplicated, you know, uh-huh. a hunting product like, you know, you know, like a using tank, estrus, or whatever, whatever. Maybe. To me, at least, Brian, I would think that that would kind of make a lot of these scents null and void, you know, like they're, they're no good. Well, I think the key is, is this magical chemical what we call biologists call pheromones. Yeah. Um, things that attract animals and, and, and solicit certain reproductive behaviors and, and attractiveness. Is that in these urine products? Well, 
I think it's highly questionable in some yeah. cases, at least, because they're using multiple does urinating into collective you know, uh, tanks. And some cases, some of the better ones are using one bottle, one doe, I realize. But even so, you know, urine breaks down very quickly. You have bacterial action going on in it. You know, natural urine collected from a, a live animal smells and looks nothing like what you pour out of a bottle. Yeah. Things happen. Mm-hmm. So the key, again, though, is will a buck pursue just urine of a doe, random doe out of a bottle? Yeah. Now, if we want to find you guys online, Brian, and perhaps become a member, what what is a membership cost uh, for, let's say, a year? Uh, membership's uh, $30 per year. That's it. In fact, right now, we've got a special going that not only do you get our widely acclaimed journal, our publication, every other month, six times a year, we also have an, uh, a new DVD, Aging and Judging Bucks on the Hoof, in the field, live video stuff, really high quality. Really? And that comes free. So you get that free with a membership, too. Yeah. Jeez. Now, now, I know that you have a national convention. Do you have regional conventions as well? We have uh, local banquets, just as uh, DU or National Wild Turkey Federation would have, have you know, 150 of those around the country. But our, our big event is coming up just in a couple of weeks, in fact, uh, August 9th through the 11th in Nashville. But you know that, what? Uh, yeah. Sorry, but last night, okay, took the family fish, and I went to Sonic, all right? I got a hamburger, got some nuggets for my kids, whatever. It cost $32.75. All I had was heartburn and a bad night's sleep, okay? <laughs> you can get a year's worth of satisfaction for 30 bucks. I mean, you can't do anything for 30 bucks anymore. This could be your annual fix for <laughs> deer hunting. Real quick before uh, Jim asks you a question, uh, Mr. Brian, where can we find you guys online? Uh, it's easy. If you remember QDMA, just add .com to it, QDMA.com. <laughs> We've been talking with Brian Murphy. He is the CEO of QDMA. That's right. And really, we, we want to encourage everyone to hop on there and just take a look and possibly incorporate some of the things that they're doing into your own lifestyle and hunting. It, it's absolutely wonderful what you guys do there at QDMA. So we're actually coming up on a break. One more time, Mr. Brian, uh, where can we find you guys online? QDMA.com. Love the uh, information we can. That's right. Once again, we've been talking with Brian Murphy, and he is the CEO of Quality Deer Management Association. But uh, we are the revolution. We are brought to you by Ram Trucks at RamTrucks.com plus Ruger at Ruger.com and High Mountain Seasonings. That is H-I-M-T-N-Jerky.com and NRA Blog at NRAblog.com plus Cabela's, world's foremost outfitter at Cabela's.com. But uh, Brian, this has been cool. Yeah. It's been fun. It's been great. Vomeral Faction. Vomeral Faction. Vomeral Faction. You dits. <laughs> Vomeral Faction. Say it one Vomeral Faction. There you go. Dot com. <laughs> Mr. Brian Newt, uh, thanks so much, buddy. You're welcome. Howdy. Hey, stay tuned, because coming up next is Brian Richards, and he's the project leader for the National Wildlife Center. He knows everything there is to know about chronic wasting disease. He is the CWD project leader that is chronic wasting disease. <laughs> yeah, he's just a project manager. That's you sound it. like this is The Apprentice. <laughs> <laughs> You're fired, <laughs> son. I get that a lot. Let's get to a break. The Revolution. If you could chase after monster whitetails in any state of your choosing, where would you go? Write in and tell us at radio at OutdoorTrailsNetwork.com. The Ruger American Rifle, an American legend is born. The Ruger American Rifle is a 100% American-made firearm that offers outstanding performance at a great price. It features power bedding integral bedding blocks for outstanding accuracy. A Ruger Marksman adjustable trigger for a crisp and user-adjustable 3-5 to pound trigger pull. A flush fit four-round rotary magazine for smooth and reliable feeding. And a three-lug bolt with 70-degree throw for ample scope clearance and fast follow-up shots. The Ruger American Rifle, another American-made product from Ruger. Cabela's is the world's foremost outfitter for hunting, fishing, and outdoor gear. You can outfit all your needs through Cabela's catalogs, online, and their many stores. With the best selection, prices, and quality, all backed by a legendary guarantee. For the best in outdoor gear, go to www.cabelas.com. High Mountain Seasonings has all your spring and summer grilling needs, specially designed for game and fish. Try our 16 different shaker seasonings and look for our new rub line in the large bottles. Don't forget to try our Just Add Water meals for all your summer camping needs. Find us on the web at www.himtnjerky.com or look for the Bucking Horse logo at a retailer near you. It is a psychological technique whereby you actually become part of the action. This is The Revolution with Jim and Trav. Recent research has shown that CWD is transmissible through the blood of infected animals. 
that suggests that prions, or the infectious agent, could be present in any body tissue of a CWD-infected animal. If you have an animal that tests positive for CWD, it's recommended that you don't eat the meat. If you do happen to down an animal with early-stage CWD, please know that there will be nothing noticeably different with the animal's appearance. You know, oddly enough, my dad always told me that I had a CWD growing up. He said I was just <laughs> wasting my life away. Um, but uh, who did we hear from before the break? Hey, before the break, we heard from old Brian Murphy, the CEO of QDMA, and he enlightened us about the faction. Very good. You've been practicing over this past break. <laughs> yeah, I was. Very good. Uh, but right now, we're being joined by Brian J. Richards, and uh, Brian is the CWD project leader there for the National Wildlife Health Center. The phone is at 785-846-7647. Uh, Mr. Brian, how's it going, buddy? Pretty good. Yeah, now, you know, I mean, we're kind of joking around, um, being facetious about CWD, but this is a very serious matter. Jim thought I said faucet. It's like a <laughs> French faucet. Um, <clears throat> this is a very serious matter, and as far as I know, um, there has never been, like, a documented case where this has been um, transferred to a human being. Uh, has there been? At least no one lived long enough to tell it. Yeah, they all died. <laughs> no, the, the science conducted to date suggests that transmission to humans is extremely unlikely. Really? But uh, we can never classify any risk as zero. So it's not a zero risk, but it's pretty remote. Yeah, no, but this is this is something that, uh, that the deer pass on from one to another. But it affects their brain in what way it is, and, and is part of that uh, the fluid that's uh, in their spinal column and so forth. So that's something that needs to be kept in check too, right? Uh, yeah. Interestingly enough, uh, this disease is called caused by a protein, kind of a rogue protein. So really? it's not a virus, it's not a bacteria. So it's very, very untraditional from a scientific perspective. All these other things, and most disease agents have DNA or living organisms, mm -hmm. where a prion is actually a protein produced by that animal. So when an animal becomes infected, there's no immune response because the body senses that prion is supposed to be there in its body. And then once that uh, happens, what happens to the animal? Well, the ultimate uh, um, issue with prions is they cause neural degeneration or cause neurons in the central nervous system to physically die and leave holes. Okay, So uh, prion diseases, chronic wasting disease, one of them, their technical term is a transmissible spongiform encephalopathy. So that's a disease of the brain that creates holes or a sponge-like appearance of the brain. Now, I, I want to go back to something Jim said just a second ago. He was talking about transferring it from um, deer herd to deer herd. Now, hasn't there actually been an elk herd in New Mexico that had CWD? So th can this be transferred from one hooved animal to another? Yes, CWD is Really transmissible really? amongst its main hosts being white-tailed deer, mule deer, and elk. Oh. And in addition, there have been, I believe, maybe three moose, free-ranging moose in Colorado and Wyoming really? where CWD was detected. Uh, but to get back to your question, in New Mexico, yes, CWD was detected in mule deer on the White Sands Missile Base way back in 2002. Wow. Um, subsequently, they, you know, they've done quite a bit of testing in southern New Mexico, and it had been detected in both mule deer and in elk. So this was right next door to Texas, you know, probably less than 30 miles. Then last fall, uh, the state of New Mexico picked up a, a few more positives right adjacent to the Texas border. So it, mm. was, it was nobody, it was not too surprising, shall yeah. we say, that Texas found it out there this spring. Now, is there any, like, hope in the future for actually finding a vaccine or something to cure this? I mean, what, what can we or do? Or just naturally done from time to time? Yeah. Okay. Well, yes, there are several research groups that are working on vaccines. This is kind of interesting. Uh, they're, they're in the early, what I would refer to as the early stages of research. Mm -hmm. But let's say they are successful. Well, mm -hmm. then we've got a little delivery issue. Yeah. If we've got somewhere maybe, what, 30 million white-tailed deer in North <laughs> yeah. America, and getting them all to line up for a vaccination <laughs> might be less than trivial. Gives a whole new meaning to butts up, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so these groups will eventually, if they, if they get a good vaccine candidate, they will also work on some sort of an oral or food-based administration. Okay, now, uh, the only way that you can taint the meat is if you cut into the brain cavity or into the spinal column and that uh, that fluid actually gets into the meat. Is that true? Um, actually, 
prions have been detected in most of the tissues of a deer, okay? Hmm, including really? Including in, Didn't know that in one. muscle tissue, in the meat itself, okay? Really? But at very, very low concentrations. The highest concentrations of the disease-associated prion protein would be found in that neural tissue, in the brain, in the spinal column, in eyeballs, and in you know, lymph tissues, lymphatic tissues, lymph nodes in the meat. You know, Bryce, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but a lot of the guys, you know, when you, let's say you harvest something and um, you're going to just cut the horns out, you know, you, you got to cut right through the skull. You're cutting right into it. Yeah. You see, therein lies some of the risk associated with taking that deer of a lifetime home. Yeah. If you, most folks, me included, would make a serious mess of a deer if I tried to cape it out myself. <laughs> yes. So, so what I'd be doing is I'd try and take that whole thing to a taxidermist. Mm. Okay? So inside of the neck and you've got the spinal column and the brain intact inside of the skull. So if you transport that to an area where CWD is not, the taxidermist isn't aware of the risks associated with that, and somehow those materials end up out on the landscape where deer are. Bad well, news. That's, that, that's setting up a situation that's just ripe for disease transmission. Yeah. Now, there's there's no way that we as uh, hunters can detect an animal with it unless they're just really acting goofy, running the trees and stuff, right? That's one of the issues that makes CWD management for agencies so difficult that the typical incubation period for CWD is probably somewhere in the 18 to 24-month time frame. Oh, wow. But they look healthy up until maybe the last 6, 8, 10 weeks, something like that. So when they when they actually start showing clinical signs, and that's the, the weight loss, the loss of fear of humans, the low-hanging head, uh, drooling, um, incessant drinking of, of water, <laughs> Um, you don't see that until the last few weeks of disease. But those animals are clinically infected and capable of shedding infectious agents, infecting other deer for probably some 7 to 11 months prior to the onset of clinical signs. You know, he just described Mark Paneri, our producer. <laughs> <laughs> Drooling. <laughs> this is actually... Look I mean, good up until yesterday. This is yeah, really informational. Um, I, w- I wish we had more time, Brian. But if we want to find out more about this, how we can become more proactive... Uh, where can we head to online to do that? Okay, any, if, if you're online, just Googling CWD will get you lots of information. There's an organization called the CWD Alliance, and that is a nonprofit that has stayed very, very active and has a, has a wonderful set of resources on their website. And I believe that's cwd-info.org. You bet. Hey, we've been talking with Brian Richards. This guy knows a lot about chronic question disease. But uh, we are the revolution. We are brought to you by Ram Trucks. Ramtrucks.com plus Ruger at Ruger.com and High Mountain Seasonings at HIMTNJerky.com and Zeiss. That is Zeiss.com forward slash sports and uh, NBC Sports Outdoors. That's www.NBCSports.com forward slash outdoors. But Mr. Brian, uh, thank you so much for coming on and for telling us about this. Uh, you, you certainly shed a lot of light on this situation that I wish more of us uh, knew more about. But thank you so much, Mr. Brian. You're welcome. Have a great afternoon. Howdy. Hey, coming up next, we've got Al Phelan. He's the co-chairman of the Big Game Study Committee for the Wisconsin Conservation Conservation Congress. There you go. That guy's coming up next. Stick around. Is the revolution. More in-depth white tail coverage to come right here on the revolution after this. Who's watching your home when you're not there? It could be a burglar. Burglars prefer to break in when they think no one is home and no one will stop them. Don't be an easy target for intruders. Protect your home with a free security system monitored by ADT, the leader in home security. Pick up your phone right now and get free hardware, free medical and fire alert, and free activation. It's an $850 value. Just call Protect Your Home, your authorized ADT dealer, at 1-866-669-8954. You'll get 24-hour protection, and there's no cost for parts or activation. Call now about a free security system monitored by ADT. 
Call 1-866-669-8954. installation charge, 36-month monitoring agreement at $35.99 per month. Call for terms and conditions to this offer and protect your home license numbers. Call now, 1-866-669-8954. That's 1-866-669-8954. Hey, this is Jimmy Houston here to tell you about the incredible fishing in Kansas. With so many lakes, reservoirs, ponds, streams, creeks, You'll find everything, largemouth bass, crappie, walleye, and my favorite cousin, the old wily catfish. Learn more about the great fishing in Kansas at www.travelks.com. Full of promise, full of hope, ignorant of reality. This is the revolution. About time you guys got here. And now, here's Jim and Trav. I <laughs> I'm just an emotional wreck right now, Jimmy. This is bad. I got snot all over my hands. <laughs> it's because it's the wrap-up. It is the wrap-up. Hey, before the break, we heard from old Brian Richards, and he is the CWD project leader for the National Wildlife Health Center. Pictures of you, pictures of me, hung up on your wall for the world to see. Uh, this is Alaska Night, pictures of you. The reason why we're playing this song is to wrap up an emotional uh, event every week in our lives, okay? But all around our studio, we always take pictures when we go places with people. Plus, my daughter draws some of the most amazing artwork. Oh, yeah. Um, of Picasso. People that come by the studio, pictures of us, all of us together. I mean, just it, it's a fun time just coming here and reminisce, look at all the pictures. Uh-huh. Jim's drunk in all of them. <laughs> but uh, right now, you know, we are talking about everything Whitetail in today's show. And uh, we're, right, uh, we're being joined at this very moment by Al Phelan. He phoned us at 785-846-7647. And he's the co-chairman of the Big Game Study Committee for the Wisconsin Conservation Congress. And, you know, there in Wisconsin has been a heated debate for quite a while. People flat out get ticked off because uh, they're not uh, seeing any deer when they go out. So I think Governor Scott Walker appointed James Kroll to be the deer czar or the deer trustee to figure out why there isn't any deer. So after Maybe nine months, James gathered them up and took them home. He did. <laughs> Shipped them off to Canada. Traitor. Uh, so after nine months and $125,000, Al, uh, what conclusions has James come up with? Well, they, the uh, report just came out about a week and a half ago. And uh, basically most of the people that uh, hunt in the state were not surprised with a lot of the things that came out of there. He suggested that the department, for the most part, pay a little bit more attention to what the hunters are telling them. What they're telling them. It cost you $125,000 to say, listen, there's just no deer. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I think what I have read in some studies, Al, is also there's just not a lot of habitat to support the number of deer that um, hunters want to see. Uh, That's been an argument. On that side, that uh, you know, in the northern part of the state, that's probably the case. The forest has gotten a lot more mature, a lot less habitat to support, uh, you know, both deer and grouse. Mm. A lot more bear, though. Yeah, yeah you, you go. guys got an immense amount of bear. Now, how many tags? Let, let's say a resident there in Wisconsin. How many antlerless and antler tags can you get in one season? If you're hunting in the CWD area, you can get as many as you want. Oh, really? <laughs> but you can't keep the meat, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, you can? Oh, you can yeah, you keep can the have, meat. You can have the deer, deer tested. Uh, in fact, I do probably about half of my hunting in the CWD area. Do really? you really? Yep. Oh, that's interesting. Now, let, let's Do you say, walk with a limp now? <laughs> <laughs> let's say we, when you're not hunting in the areas where there's CWD, um, how many tags can you have? See, I buy a patron's license every year, which pretty much covers everything. I'll get a buck tag for rifle. Okay. Get a antlerless tag that I can use in a in any herd controlled unit, which is a unit where the department is trying to reduce the antlerless population. Mm-hmm. I will also get a uh, bow buck tag mm-hmm. and a bow antlerless tag. So I'll get a, a minimum of four or five tags. How yeah. often do you limit out on all four? Very rarely. And, and would you say that's probably atypical of all of the hunters up there? I mean, there's exceptions to every rule, of course. But do you think, what, maybe one or two is the max that most people get? Uh, that's probably the case. You know, it, it depends. Now, a few years ago, our population was fairly high. And, uh, you know, there was quite a few people who were shooting three or four deer. Mm-hmm. And uh, now, would you e- say either because they decided to make the choice not to shoot them yeah. or that they're just not seeing them. You know, that you don't hear that 
too much. Now, you know, we, we've heard from a lot of people and a guy that we regularly have on the show. And I know that everybody's quick to judge, judge people and to point fingers. But everyone seems to say that they they just get hand out too many tags. That's why I was kind of asking you. He was saying that you can basically get an unlimited amount of antlerless tags for like two dollars over the counter for residents. And I know, I mean, we've gotten dozens upon I mean, literally hundreds of emails from people wanting us to talk about this, saying that basically just, you know, our, our government is killing our deer populations because they're not managing them properly. But after doing our own research, Alan, talking with you, I don't think that's the case whatsoever. You know, if you really take a look at, at who manages the deer, the DNR sets the seasons, sets the bag limits, things yeah. like that. But the private landowner is really the person who is managing the deer on their property. I was always thinking when they said that, well, if you guys are so upset, then why are you buying so many tags trying to feel them? <laughs> you know, just don't buy the tag. Don't if you don't no, want to go. Then that's that's a legitimate question. <laughs> and uh, I know some of the guys that are on the Congress that uh, that argue with some of their relatives for the number <laughs> of deer that they shoot. <laughs> yeah. Claiming that they shouldn't be shooting that many. Now, what are some things that you guys are kind of going to start on. Yeah, issuing and working on? to start increasing the deer herds uh, there in Wisconsin, Al? I, I think that things are going to be changing in Wisconsin quite a bit after this parole report came out. Yeah. In fact, I'm meeting, uh, not just me, but a lot of people are meeting with the department uh, next week on the 31st to kind of go over what this report had to say and what the implications are mm -hmm. for the DNR and for deer management. But I really think, you know, if you have a problem um, you really need to go to your DNR, talk to your officials, do whatever. Be they must vocal. have area meetings or something. There's got to be. Instead of just sitting around the coffee shop and BSing and getting all ticked off, why don't you actually do something proactive, be proactive yeah. and really try well, to help do. out? They do. I mean, the department does establish these uh, these meetings that are held in the spring, uh, yeah. maybe group together several deer management units. But the argument has been from the hunting public that, you know, it's a waste of time to go to these because they don't listen. So <laughs> that's where you get into this vicious cycle of, you know, go to the meetings, discuss things, nothing changes, quit going to the meetings because you're <laughs> yeah. And that's not productive. That's not productive for the hunters or for the department. No, it's not. You know, I think when you go to these meetings, these guys, you need to have your wife or your mother go with you. <laughs> That's the only way we're going to get things figured out, Hal. You know, <laughs> we got to have somebody there with a little common sense. <laughs> but uh, uh, one more time, we, we encourage everyone to hop on Wisconsin's DNR webpage. Yeah. Do a little looking around. And when you go to these meetings, have a level head. And take a list of things that you want to talk about. You know, and, and maybe you should sit and listen instead yeah. of try talking so much. You know, don't, wouldn't you agree, Al? You know, I think it's a matter of listening from both sides. Yes. And and we've got a new uh, big game specialist for the DNR that's a uh, very avid hunter and fisherman and you know, he gets it, and I think that if uh, if he's allowed to get a little bit more in control of, of the direction that the department takes in deer management, I think the hunters are going to appreciate that considerably. You bet. Hey, we've been talking with Al Phelan, and he's the co-chairman of the Big Game Study Committee at the uh, Wisconsin Conservation Congress. Hey, and we're the revolution. We're brought to you by Ram Trucks at RamTrucks.com plus Ruger at Ruger.com and High Mountain Seasonings at HIMTNJerky.com plus NRA Blog at nrablog.com. But it, Mr. Al Phelan, man, thank you so much for coming on and discussing this matter with us. Uh, it's no very problem. important. Thanks a lot. Okay. This is The Revolution. Our radio show has guys that actually do hunt and fish for a living. Ha ha. This is The Revolution with Jim and Trav. Find them on Facebook and Twitter at OutdoorTrailsNetwork.com. All right, Jim, so we're going to talk about the LR4 Land Rover. Now, this is long since been. Everybody yep. knows it. it's a luxury vehicle. A lot of people equate it to an off-road vehicle. But I don't know that um, who in America could afford to buy this. I mean, this is I – mean, it, it excels off-road. I mean, and it, the old mud bog. Jim, it excels. I mean, this is a great off-road vehicle. However, in today's economy, <laughs> who in the right way, even if you were a billionaire, I wouldn't want to buy this beautiful, luxurious vehicle and treat it like a Toyota. I'm sorry, <laughs> I wouldn't want to do that. This is a great 
vehicle, Jim. Yeah, well, while Trav says it's a great vehicle, it has plenty of uh, front headroom and legroom. Yeah. And large supportive seats. I really like them. That's good, because I have a big, big head. And I have a big, big butt, so it works. Yeah. Now, the second row seat has plenty of headroom, but the legroom, I got to tell you, for taller passengers, it ain't that great. Now, the second row. for me. I'm like medium height, and I thought it was you're wonderful. You're a midget is what you are. I am not. I am five foot nine. Kind of. That's a fidget. With yes. shoes on. Now, You're like 5'10 and a half. <laughs> now, now, listen to this. The second and third row seats do fold and tumble to they make do. way for an expansive cargo area. Now, adding to the expansive feel of the interior are three sunroofs, one over the front seats and uh, two over the rear seats. Yeah, no, this actually has like a high-end touchscreen um, audio system, plus the voice-activated navigation. I'm going to read this right here. It says that the, the say what you see um, voice activation uh, navigation. I don't know what you want to call it. It's really good. You could actually say something. It's a go there and it'll take you. It, you well, you got to be a little more um, specific rather than like, ah, uh, let's go over there. And you really mean let's go to Wendy's on <laughs> yeah. second and third. Okay. Yeah, there you go. No, this is so cool. And this, I mean, this has a full entertainment system for the front, uh-huh. it has its own separate wireless entertainment system for the back. I mean, this has, this honest to goodness, has more amenities in it. Then your house and my house combined. combined yeah. I mean, I'm serious. This is a great little vehicle. I was just amazed, honest to goodness. I I would have been impressed without even driving this vehicle. Okay, uh, I mean, if you want to be like uh, what you would expect, Fifty Cent or um, Britney Spears. Oh God, no! She can't even afford a Lexus. No, I'm <laughs> I'm saying like Donald Trump. If you want to hunt Donald Trump style, and also, I mean, this is a very capable vehicle off road. Once again. I just couldn't imagine. Don't play with your mic. I just couldn't imagine spending the money on this vehicle and doing that to it. Okay. I would gladly do it to uh, any other vehicle. The Chevy, I would burn a Chevy. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, this is a great little vehicle. To find out more about the all-new LR4 2012 Land Rover, just go to www.landrover.com. Hey, we want to give a special thanks to all of our 405 affiliate stations, or advertisers, and everyone that makes the show possible. Like Miss Bunny, Fun Joe, our producer, Mark Canary, Frank the Sound Guy, Lloyd Fox, Brian Murphy, Brian Richards, and Al Phelan. Hey, coming up next, we got The Revolution. And you guys and guys are going to want to stay tuned because we are going hog hunting. We're going hog wild. We're going hunting after Jim. That's so it. So we are Jim and Traff. Stick around because your local news weather. It is coming up next. God bless you, boys and girls. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week.